0: This is the Redemption Church podcast. For a list of messages, events, and more, please visit experienceredemption.com. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here is today's message. It's, uh, I feel like this gets more and more like home every time I walk into the middle of the stage. So thank you for having me. It's good to meet you. If we've never spoken... Don't talk to Steven afterwards, talk to me. That's fine, just leave, leave, leave him out of it. I mean, he is a better communicator than me, so you're missing out on him teaching today, but my bald, beautiful head is so much better to stare at than his <laughs> luscious locks, you know? Uh, I'm Mike Edwards, I'm glad to be here. I love you guys, I love your church. Uh, I love it so much that we're actually planting a church uh, downriver, Detroit in 2024, and you ready for the name? Redemption (laughs) I I Love I love the name so much that we're doing it. So uh, Stephen doesn't know that I'm gonna steal people today But if you're coming from Detroit down here, you don't need to do that for much longer. I got you all right Um, It's uh, it's good to be here, but I need to know about you guys Uh, We're gonna settle a debate that has raged for years now decades I think Who here thinks that Die Hard is a Christmas movie all right, I'm, I'm liking this, I'm liking this. Who here does not think it is a Christmas movie? Okay, I know this is embarrassing because you're close, but you have to leave now, okay? <laughs> okay, true Christians know that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, right? It's more Christmas than any other movie. John McClane is like a Jesus figure. He saves everybody, right? All right, I don't wanna be sacrilegious though. It's good to be here with you guys. Let's do something together. Let's stand up, and we are going to read our text today, which is highlighted Isaiah 9-3, but we're going to start at the end of chapter 8 so we get a bigger picture. Let's read this out loud together. Here we go. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. God, thank you so much for another opportunity to open the scriptures, to hear from you, for you to move among your people, for you to speak forth from your word to us, into our hearts, to shape us, to change us, to lead us, and to plant joy inside of us that is everlasting. We just thank you. We give you all the glory for this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a seat. If you look around the culture, there is some mixed messages, but messages nonetheless, about what the true meaning of Christmas is. We're in this Christmas season. We're in a Christmas series. And you can look around the world and find these, this idea of Christmas messages or what is the meaning of Christmas according to the culture. Uh, someone. <laughs> Someone named Mariah Carey has an idea about this, right? All I want for Christmas is what? You. Is you? <laughs> also get out. <laughs> you shouldn't know that song, uh, Mariah Carey. All I want, all you need is you. You just need, you just need that special someone in your life, and Christmas is complete. That's the meaning. Find that missing piece of your heart in your soulmate, right? I brought a picture with me. This is actually a, a picture captured when kids were forced to listen to Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas. <laughs> um, I think it's recent. It looks recent, doesn't it? It's like it's about the same time the song came out. Uh, I, I, I have mixed, mixed feelings about that song because my youngest son forever has played that song to wake us up on Christmas morning when it's time to open presents, so uh, like literally he'll put uh, this song in my ear to wake me up at 5.15 in the morning to get presents, you know? So I, my heart kind of like is inclined to the song because it's part of my family tradition, so somehow Mariah Carey has made her way into my family. It's d- very disturbing, honestly, when you think about it. But, uh, Paul McCartney for the Beatles, he said, I hope you remember the true meaning of Christmas, which is love and peace and be good to each other. That's it. As long as you're good to your fellow man, you've captured the meaning of Christmas. And the British Humanist Association, which I didn't know existed until preparing for this, they did a survey uh, to find out how many people in the UK still celebrated Christmas. And they found that 91% of the people that they asked actually still celebrated Christmas but the context of what they were asking was what is the what is the most meaningful part of Christmas if you celebrate it and the top answer was spending time with family so the majority of these people the overwhelming majority said just time with my family is the most important thing that's the meaning of Christmas now there were 12 answers and guess what number 11 was the birth of Jesus So the culture's message is we ourselves are good, focusing on ourselves is good, Jesus not so much. At least Jesus beat out going to church. (laughs) He beat that. That was number 12. So people like Jesus a little bit more than going to church. But the, the sad part is that the birth of Jesus was beat out by time off work to relax and also beat out by watching Christmas TV shows. So you can look to the culture, and it has a meaning of Christmas that it's trying to convey to you. Now I'm going to date myself, hopefully you're with me like first service. Who remembers the song, We Are the World? This is a younger crowd, brother. (laughs) It's a younger crowd. Some people are like, what? What are you talking about? Okay, so I'm a 70s baby, so in the 80s, I was nine years old when We Are the World came out. And this song... like. Captured, captured the attention of everybody. And they had this big thing on TV called Live Aid. And they were going to raise all this money. And there was a variety of those. Live Aid, Farm Aid. There was a lot of these big musical concerts and things. And the idea was that we were going to come together. And we were going to change the world. The song literally says, we are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. The message of that song is that we are the light of the world that's the hope of the world we ourselves if we just start giving and so this christmas message of the culture is very man-centered man-oriented that we can solve our own problems if we could just calm down long enough to just be nice to each other we would fix the problems that we see in the world on that stage during that concert in 1985 was a man named bob dylan and this guy, Bob Dylan, famous for being a, a prophetic voice in music, like him or hate him, he was visibly upset during this performance. And he was asked by reporters afterwards, why, why were you uh, upset during this performance? Why did you look so uh, bummed out <laughs> during this thing? And, and he said, because humankind cannot save itself. See, the the message of Christmas from the culture is that we can save ourselves. The message of the gospel, the message of the scripture is that we cannot. And this is the true meaning of Christmas. We are not that light that can change the world. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but the light is Jesus. Jesus came into the world, and he is the light of the world, and that is the meaning of Christmas is that even though this world is full of darkness, even though this world is full of grief, even though this world is full of struggle, 2,000-some years ago, a baby was born under a no vacancy sign in a trough fed for for feeding animals, and he changed the world forever. Our king came as the light of of the world. And this brings something with it, it brings joy. When light breaks through darkness, it brings joy to those that see it, to those that benefit from it. And that's you and me, brothers and sisters, and I'll tell you right now, Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. Yeah, dude, yeah, that's good. You guys are more joyful than first service. You guys need a joy competition. You all are Christians in here. I like that. You should be the most joyful people on the planet. Think about what has happened here. We were in darkness. We were groping around. The text says that they looked, when they realized they were in darkness, they looked to the earth. But those that were walking in darkness now have seen a great light. That's what's going on. We are in darkness and Jesus comes as the light and exchanges the darkness in our lives for the light that is his. This is the good news. This is the gospel. And when light breaks into the darkness, it produces in us a joy that is indescribable, and that is something that is palpable. It's something that we can hold on to. It's not like this cliche, turn this frown upside down. It's not like, as long as things are going my way, I'm happy. No, this is something that you can hold on to in the worst of times, no matter what, because this joy should exude from us. We hold on to it no matter what the circumstances are. This joy should be something that when people look at us as we all walk through this life and and life has its struggles, right? Life has its, its lean times. Life has its difficult times. Sometimes it seems like darkness might overtake us. That's part of life. But if we have the light of Christ, people should be looking at us saying, how are they so happy? How do they maintain such joy when everything around us is falling apart? Don't you know that the economy is failing? Don't you know that we're electing morons? Don't you know this, right? Don't you know that we lost the vote? How can you be so joyful? How can you be so optimistic? Because Jesus moved me from the darkness to the light. That's why. And that produces joy in us. Joy that is sustained regardless of the circumstances. Jesus said we would suffer. He says that. But he says, rejoice when you suffer. Rejoice when you're counted worthy. And the apostles learned that lesson. Peter and John, they were out preaching the gospel after Jesus' resurrection, and they got, they got arrested, and they said, hey, you can't talk about Jesus. And they said, hmm, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna still do it anyway. We're going to obey God, not you. And then they got beat, and then the weirdest thing happens. They leave getting beat with sticks or whatever they did. They walk out, and it says that they rejoiced, that they were counted worthy. This joy is regardless of our circumstances. A text that we don't have a lot of time to to break down, but that I want to read to you and I want you to see the heart of joy here that is produced in us, no matter our circumstances, comes from 1 Peter. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And what? Rejoice with what? Joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You may be coming into this place this morning in a place of struggle. You may, you may be here, at, and this is the last straw for you. This is it. You've tried everything else, and you said, I'm gonna give this Jesus thing a try. I'm gonna come to church and see if that will help. You, you may be there. You may be someone who's walked with the Lord for a while, but you've been in a place of darkness lately. You've lost your way, you've strayed from the path. You don't, you don't feel that joy anymore. You don't feel like you see the light. But the good news is that it's okay. You can experience this for the first time, or you can experience it again. And God wants you to experience it no matter what you're going through today and for forever. That's the kind of joy he has for you. And I want to just tell you, for those of you that are struggling, I don't minimize that at all, but I want to say this, you are not your struggle. You are not defined by the darkness that you've experienced. Whether that's something that you did to yourself or whether that's something someone did to you, you are not defined by that. You are not your trauma. You are who God says you are. You are a redeemed son or daughter of the king, and you have been moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that is the good news and that is something to rejoice about that you should be the happiest people in the universe that's joy but i want you to understand it a little bit i want to give you a working definition i have a couple of points this morning that i want to drive home but we have to understand what the biblical idea of joy is in the first place because again it's not just this cliche idea of just just happiness throughout the bible it's like gladness rejoicing pleasure. These, these are all gifts from God, uh, but we need to understand that joy is a huge topic in the scriptures. It's a huge topic in Isaiah 9, 3, the part of the text that we're in. He's talking about rejoice, joy at the harvest. They joy before you. They joy at the spoils. So it's mentioned again and again and again, but joy is such a massive topic that books have literally been written on it it's from the beginning to the end of scripture is filled with this concept of those that are in christ have joy but what does it mean specifically in the scriptures now as i was trying to prepare for this uh, sermon i was struggling because there's so many things you could say about joy i'm trying to narrow this down and uh, we were driving me and my wife and we're driving down the road and i was being quiet you know she's probably trying to kind of ask me something and i was just like really wasn't focused on the conversation. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I said, like, I'm just trying to figure, figure out where to go with this sermon on Sunday. And she's like, well, what is it, what is it on? I said, it was Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 3. And it's about rejoicing at what God has done for us, that when light breaks through, it produces joy. And she says, well, that's easy. And I was like, okay, well, what do you got? She says, joy, just, it's joy. I'm like, okay, genius. I know how to spell it. Like, I appreciate you. I love you. But this is like first grade stuff, joy. She's like, no, 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 not how to spell it. Joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, your, yourself. No, wait, Jesus, others, yourself. And so that was my wife's sermon. So if you feel like that's enough, you can leave, you're good, right? <laughs> like if, if, if she filled you up with that, go ahead. But, it, you know, I was like, yeah, that's, that's good, that's good. But what's more about this? There's something, there's something bigger, than, bigger than that going on. And so I just want to break it down like this. Uh, in three steps. First step is that this. Jesus, his greatest joy is to bring glory to his Father. We see this at the beginning of John chapter 17 where Jesus goes into an intense time of prayer and he talks about, Father, glorify yourself as you glorify me. Jesus' big deal is to glorify the Father. The writer of Hebrews says, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross because of the joy that he knew it would ultimately bring the Father to glorify him through his work. And later on in that prayer in John 17, Jesus says that he wants to share that joy with us, that our fulfillment in this life would come from sharing in his joy. He allows us with him to glorify the Father. So John Piper put it this way, he takes all that and kind of wraps it into this sentence that I thought was a really good working definition of joy. He says, joy is the clearest witness to the worth of what we enjoy. It is the deepest reverberation in the heart of man of the value of God's glory. This kind of joy, it covers the full range of the human spectrum and it should comprehend the entirety of our lives. This is a theme not just of Isaiah 9.3, not just of the Bible, but of the whole life and work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. This joy. Joy. Now, the two things that I want to drive home for you today. First is that true joy only comes from God. True joy only comes comes from God. It is not something you can manufacture, it is something only He can produce in you. This joy is something that the the text in Isaiah 9-3 says that He multiplies the nation. If, If a nation thrives, it is God that does it. If your joy is increased, He increased the joy. If there's a harvest, He made it grow. He gives the increase. If there is a victory, and we are enjoying the spoils of that, He gave the victory. True joy only comes from God. Now, there's a lot in this life that brings us joy, right? God created the the heavens and the earth. He he makes His creation, and He says, this is very good. It's joyful. You can go out into nature, and you can experience God's goodness, and that can bring joy by being out in nature, like some of you crazy people that walked through nature yesterday for miles and miles, right? I was not dumb enough to do that. My legs feel fantastic today, right? I, was, I needed to be ready to be up here and move around. But you can get out there and, and you can enjoy what God has created. A good, a good wine, the psalmist says, gladdens the heart. Marriage and children are said to be a joy, a gift from the Lord. Proverbs 27.9 says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. So for all you junior high kids that douse yourselves in Axe body spray, God is good, isn't he? So joyful. You smell so good. You can use deodorant. You don't have to cover it with Axe. Just saying. You can do it. It's okay. The rest of that proverb says sweetness of a friend comes from earnest counsel. Just good talks with good people can bring joy to our hearts. But all of those things that are good and enjoyable and bring pleasure to us, they all come from God. James said every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light. It is that light breaking into darkness that always produces joy if you don't have joy you've got to wonder what's going on do you believe that do you believe that joy comes from God are you experiencing joy because when you are not experiencing joy there's a reason and it is because you are you are seeking something else that can't produce it We went to the zoo lights last night, and all I could think about as I was running around with my grandkids on the train, and they're pointing out the lights, was like, these are all artificial lights. They don't lead anywhere. We need the one true light that can actually point us to something, not these artificial lights that we can produce that look good for a time, but they don't change who we are. We tend to to look other places, even though the psalmist says it's at your right hand that there are pleasures forevermore, even though in our text it says that when God multiplies the nation and increases their joy, they rejoice before him. This is the cool part. He gives us the joy, and then we get to enjoy it with him in his presence. That's where we get that from if you leave the presence of God, if you go your own way, if you ignore the true light and you go down a different path, if you deviate, if you're distracted by the artificial lights and moving back, backwards toward the darkness, you won't find that joy. We are the world doesn't work. The light of the world does though. We chase sometimes these manufactured joys in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's through the pleasure of the world. And there's there's a lot. There's a lot of things that are pleasurable that we can abuse. We can seek out pleasure in ways and in places that we don't belong. We can take a pleasure that's a good thing that God created, and we can twist it. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe that's the point of frustration that you're at that's brought you here this morning. Or maybe there's been a, 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 a guilt on your heart, on your conscience, because you know, you've been, you've been seeking pleasure in ways that cannot bring you joy and satisfaction. In fact, it brings disappointment and heartbreak. We seek, we seek it in the world's pleasures, but we won't find it there. Sometimes we go to try to find joy through our own efforts. We try real hard to be better people. This year is gonna be my year, and I'm gonna try real hard, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show the world that I can do it. And that effort leads to one of two places. One is pride because if you do succeed in getting better, then you're, you're only able to say, look at me and look what I've done. And on the other side, it leads to despair because if you try hard and you fail, then what? Then, then you have no hope. You have no joy because your, your hope has been put in your own efforts. And that can't produce joy. It only leads to darkness. The approval of others is another another popular one where we seek to be viewed well in the eyes of other people maybe our boss maybe our friend group maybe our neighborhood i don't know maybe the internet (laughs) maybe you want to be good in the eyes of facebook you're seeking the approval of others but others are always going to let you down you can't find lasting change in the approval of others you can't find joy there another one and this is this is my this is mine this is what i struggle with this is what i regularly need to repent of and that is the illusion of control that i that i can control the outcomes that as long as i'm in charge it'll go okay that i I need to be at the helm i need to pilot this this ship i need to be at the wheel and if i am it'll be okay and that's another illusion because because god is sovereign God, God did all of this, not me. And it's an illusion. But some of us are trying to maintain control of our lives and we realize it's not going so good. For my family, there was a, a, a pastor, Tim Chester, he's from, from the UK and he came up with these things he calls the four G's of the gospel. And these ways that we go try to find joy and fulfillment in our lives that lead backwards instead of into the light we, they're all based on lies, right? I, I can be good enough. I can find the pleasure I'm seeking. Those aren't, those aren't true things. So there's, there's four truths that we can remember. They're not on the slides, but if you got a pen and paper, you want to type it on your phone, whatever, go back and watch this video later. We wrote these things down and, and put them around our house and became great reminders for us and our kids as they were growing up that kept gospel truth at the forefront. It is this. God is so good, this is the first one, God is so good, we don't need to look elsewhere for pleasure. God is so gracious, we never have to prove ourselves. You know that? You don't have to to earn God's grace. He, He gives it. It's available to you right now. Everyone is invited to experience redemption. Amen? God is so glorious, We don't have to fear what others think. And last, God is so great, we don't have to be in control. And those four G's are truths of the gospel. Truths that when you are in the light, produce the kind of joy that we're talking about. A joy that will last not just in Christmas season, but in all seasons. That's the kind of joy we wanna sink our teeth into. So that's the first thing I wanted to drive home, that joy only comes from God. Next is that joy fuels mission. And this fires me up because we are a people given a mission. We are to take the gospel into all the nations. It's clear what we're supposed to be doing and we just need to get to work, but not in our own efforts. It is literally the joy that comes from God that fuels what we do on mission. This is is a mind-blowing reality of the Christian faith. This is what separates us from everyone else in the world. That though we were in darkness, we have seen a great light, and now we get to go participate and enjoy life in that light. And it's not just for us, it's for the world. We get to go live this for everyone. So that, not that they would give us the credit, but so that we would share in Jesus' work of glorifying the Father. It's the fuel, it's the gas in the engine of mission. And it truly fires me up. We are the light of the world. This this is crazy. Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You're like, well, I thought Jesus was the light. He is, he shares that with us. He calls us into his work with him. And now it's like like when you take a candle and then you light the next candle with it. Only Jesus is an inexhaustible candle that never ends. And we just keep getting light. And we keep getting the fuel for that mission. We keep, every time light breaks in, what does it produce? Joy. And our joy stays full and fuels that mission. And it creates a boldness. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people hide a lamp and put it under a basket, but a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are a city on a hill. This is a bold statement. Jesus puts us out there and says, go shine your light. Go do the works that I'm calling you to do and then they will glorify God. What does giving glory to the Father do for Jesus? It brings him joy. And what does Jesus do? He gives us joy to share. He invites us into the mission, it's amazing. If that doesn't fire you up, I don't really honestly know what will. It ain't my beautiful bald head anymore that can do it. It can only last so long. It can only inspire you so much. This has to be it. You have to be in the light and share in that mission. We get to be laborers in the harvest. This is a life of faith. When you plant a seed, it's faith. You can't control what comes up. You can't control that crop. This is a life of faith when we get to work in the field with our Lord. He says in Matthew 9 that the harvest is plentiful. And the harvest here is speaking of are the souls of men. The harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few, so pray that the Lord would send laborers. That's you and me. Jesus' prayer is that you and I would rise up and work with him to accomplish his mission. Of light breaking more and more into the world and bringing more and more joy. And the crazy part about a harvest is that you get to plant it, then you get to enjoy the results of it. Then the results of it give you more seeds to plant. But here's what's even crazier, right? It's one thing if you're a farmer who plants a seed, okay? Now, I'm not a farmer at all. I've never farmed. I've never kept a plant alive, in fact. I don't even know how to do that. Like, I've never done anything agricultural whatsoever. So I'm making this up on the fly. Go with me. If I was to wake up in the morning and think, you know what, Mike, you should be a farmer. You should plant some things. After I look in the mirror and go, Mike, why are you faking being a farmer? After I get that conversation out of the way with myself, I would do something that I feel like would be really basic. I would go to the store and I would buy seed. I would take my money and buy the seed to plant in the ground. But the gospel is that Jesus gives us the seed we don't even have to buy the seed he gives us everything we need to plant which is the word of god it's the gospel it's the good news it's the things we give to the world that bring light we don't even have to supply it jesus says here you go i've given you everything you need to go do it now come do it with me the apostle paul said amen whoever that was the apostle paul said i planted He's talking about starting starting the church in Corinth. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. That's the crazy thing about this agricultural analogy, this idea of rejoicing before God as though it's at the harvest, is that we do our part and God does his part, but his part does it all anyway. So we take a seed, and again, I've never been a farmer, and I, don't even, I honestly still don't know. I should have looked this up on Google. I don't know if I'm gonna plant an apple tree if I just plant one seed or not, or do I just stick an apple in the ground? I don't know what happens. I don't know what you gotta do. Do, you have, do I have to put the whole core in the ground? These are things that I should have looked up, but I didn't, okay? So take whatever I'm saying with a grain of salt. It could be completely wrong. All right, so you plant a seed in the ground. If you put an apple seed in there, or a whole apple, whatever you gotta do, a tree grows up, but it doesn't produce just one apple. It produces all kinds of apples on the tree, and then it doesn't just produce apples on the tree one time, it produces apples on the tree every harvest. And this is what God calls us to. The life of faith is that I can't do this, but I take what God gives me, I take the light that has come into my life, and I share it with others, I plant that, and God gives the reward. And then when the reward comes, We rejoice in the reward and that's just more fuel. It makes Jesus happy that we're all glorifying the Father. The Father's like, I love this. I'm gonna give you some more to go do more. That's how it works. And we should expect a harvest. Look at what God's doing here. Look around the room. Can we rejoice at that? Earlier, Stephen was talking about the season of life you guys were in as a church when this song was written uh, that, that we sung this morning like just struggling, and then to look at where we've come. That's all God. That's all God, and that is something to rejoice about. Another illustration that is in our text, it says that we rejoice as though it's the harvest, but then it says we get to have the spoils, the plunder, like an army. We are soldiers in the army of God. Paul told Timothy, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And that's the thing about being a soldier. We we just got to stay battle ready. We just do our part. We're not the general. We don't have the plans. We just go take it to the enemy. And we're not talking about blood and guts war. I'm not telling you to go, you know, jab your neighbor with a spear in the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't do that. You could get arrested for that. <laughs> okay? Um, it, yeah, don't, yeah, I was going to say something else. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All right. It's not what we're talking about. Our, ba- our battle is spiritual. Our battle is for the souls of our neighbors. Our battle is for, the, for winning the lost. We want the lost to find Jesus and discover him as God and Savior. We want our neighbors to know the names of Jesus. Wonderful counselor, right? Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. Our battle is to take the good news into the darkness with the light. That's our fight. And when we do, we get to share the spoils of war. Only it's not, you know, pots of gold or, or tracts of land that we celebrate. But we celebrate like the angels in heaven at one soul that re- has that uh, returned home to the father they celebrate and they rejoice. Just over one, there's rejoicing in heaven. It's nonstop. We get to share in that. We get to sit down and enjoy the spoils of, us, of this war, of God destroying the work of darkness and the devil and rescuing souls, redeeming souls. That should fire us up. That is joy. And so when you think about the meaning of Christmas, You think about this everlasting joy that cannot be taken from you, that comes from God, that is enabled by God, that when we get results, it's because of God and we rejoice with Him and give Him back all the praise and all the glory. It's the cycle of joy that can fill us up like nothing else in the world. I want to end with a warning. Paul told the Corinthian church too that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I I told you before that there's artificial lights. Satan is one of them. Satan and, and those who would do the works of Satan are artificial lights. And they're leading, they're trying to lead people away from the true light. And so my warning to you is the same warning that the author of the Hebrews gave in chapter 11. He said this, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Those are the spoils of war that I was talking about. It's not, it's not all the power in Egypt. It's not all the power in the United States. It's not all the power anywhere. It's in the reward that comes to us from God. God himself is the reward. God himself produces that joy in us. And there's a lot of artificial lights that lead us to chase. And my warning to you is don't chase it because the, those, those pleasures of sin, wherever they come from, are fleeting. They won't last and when that light burns out that fleeting flickering artificial light runs out of power because it will you'll be left in darkness so cling to the light of Christ don't trade it don't trade it at all pray with me would you I want to pray with you uh, this morning uh, I especially want to pray with those of you who are in that place of struggle. You feel like you have been in that place of darkness. You feel like you have been chasing joy from other sources. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord a long time, but you realize, I'm not engaged in mission. I've been reminded this morning that joy comes from God, and I've been receiving, but I haven't been giving. I haven't been sharing this joy, which is the whole purpose of it in the first place. God has given it to me to share it with others. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you're here and you've been, you've been following Christ for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you love the Lord. But you realize this morning, I, I need to get involved. This joy that I've received, is it needs to be the fuel for mission. And I need to get involved. I need to step up and do what God has called me to do, not so that you can get credit, but so that he does. And this is fuel for the whole church together. I wanna to pray with you and for you this morning. I wanna pray, pray the words that Peter prayed over you. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father in heaven, we we commend every soul to you this morning because we know that only you can transform a life. Only you can change someone's heart. Only you can bring light that, that destroys that eliminates the darkness. Only you can move us from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Only you can give us joy that is inexpressible. Only you can salvation be found in. Only you can make sense of the world. Only your light helps us see this place clearly. Only your light helps us recognize the lies of the enemy in culture. Only you, give us hope for a future. Only you give meaning to Christmas. Only you give meaning to New Year, to every day of the year. Only you. And it's in gratitude that we thank you for this truth and that we, we would repent where we have not recognized this and where we are not engaged in sharing this unimaginable, eternal joy with those around us. We pray, God, not just for this series and this season, but for the future. We pray with confidence, knowing you win. Thank you, God, for allowing us to share in that victory. Thank you for bringing us with you. May we glorify the Father in heaven as you have glorified the Father in heaven. We pray that the Spirit would fill us this morning. We pray that people who have never experienced the power and the gifting of the Holy Spirit, that you would fall on them this morning, that you would convict us of sin, that you would change us, that that you would gift us in ways that are undeniable, that literally change the world. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. For more information, you can visit Experience Redemption on Instagram or Facebook for updates, service times, and ways you can get connected. Want to partner and support the work of Redemption Church? You can give online at experienceredemption.com slash giveonline to explore your giving options. We also stream services on both YouTube and Facebook Live, so be sure to join us and share your experience. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We will see you soon.